Today's reading is chapter one of the book of Jonah and can be found on page 878 of the Bibles on your seats. Page 878. Jonah flees from the Lord. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa, where he found a boat bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his own God, and they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone below deck, where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. The captain went to him and said, How can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us so that we will not perish. Then the sailors said to each other, Come, let us cast lots to find out who is responsible for this calamity. They cast lots and the lot fell on Jonah. So they asked him, tell us, who is responsible for making all this trouble for us? What kind of work do you do? Where do you come from? What is your country? From what people are you? He answered, I am a Hebrew and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven who made the sea and the dry land. This terrified them, and they asked, What have you done? They knew he was running away from the Lord because he had already told them so. The sea was getting rougher and rougher. So they asked him, What should we do to you to make the sea calm down for us? Pick me up and throw me into the sea, he replied, and it will become calm. I know that it is my fault that this great storm has come upon you. Instead, the men did their best to row back to land. But they could not, for the sea grew even wilder than before. Then they cried out to the Lord, Please, Lord, do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man. For you, Lord, have done as you pleased. Then they took Jonah and threw him overboard, and the raging sea grew calm. At this the men greatly feared the Lord, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. Now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. This is the word of the Lord. Jonathan is going to bring us our reflections just before he does, we'll have a, a word of prayer and ask God's blessing. Heavenly Father, look down upon your servant Jonathan as he brings his word to us. His reflections on what you want us to know for this week. Be in all things that Jonathan says and be in our hearts and minds to open them to receive your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Yes. <clears throat> Brilliant. 
Um, so I know that some of you will know who I am, and I know who some of you are, and some of you won't. Um, so my name is Jonathan, uh, and I'm a youth worker in Camborne. I've been uh, working with Camborne Church for almost seven years now since I moved down from Scotland. Um, and this September, it will also be two years since I've started working with Romsey Mill. Um, and I know, again, some of you will know about Romsey Mill's work, some of you uh, won't. So for those of you who are not aware, Romsey Mill is a Cambridge-based charity. Um, it's a Christian charity which works with children, young people and families. And the work in Romsey Mill started almost 30 years ago um, when a group of churches in the east of Cambridge got together to respond to the needs of young people on the streets round about where they were. And that work has now grown across the city of Cambridge, um, in South Cambridgeshire, including Camborne, and right up to Peterborough. And the work spans across a few different programmes. There's the Aspire programme, which works with uh, young people on the autistic spectrum. There's a young parents programme, working with young mums and dads and supporting them. And there's preschool provision for younger children in Cambridge. And then there's a youth development programme, which is a team that I'm part of here in Camborne. And the youth development programme works with young people aged 10 to 21, supporting them to overcome challenges in their lives. Uh, now, for any young person, there is, there's, there's challenges, and we will, those of, you, those of us who have been young people at some point, whether it's a few years ago or uh, a long time ago, will be aware of that growing up is not easy. Um, and sometimes there's not always the support there or there can be additional challenges in order to get through those years. Sometimes we support young people who have difficulties at home, struggles with mental health, engaging with risk-taking behaviour, maybe being disengaged with mainstream education. And the two main areas of work that we do, one side um, is that kind of education side, supporting young people to, to engage with school or to provide some kind of education, and that's done one-to-one -one and in small groups, and we offer pastoral support there as well. And then the other side is community-based youth work. Uh, so meeting young people where they are, out on the streets, in youth clubs, and providing support through things like uh, sport and art and music projects, offering trips and residentials. And we're a Christian charity. Everything that we do comes from a place of knowing that we are loved by God and we want to show that love to the young people that we work with. Now, that doesn't mean that we talk about faith explicitly at the youth clubs and in every encounter, but our ethos and our values and how we do what we do comes from a place of faith. We value individuals for who they are. We see a commitment to long-term work to knowing that there is the hope of change. There's an importance in family and community, being together, having fun together. Um, and we want to get involved in the nitty gritty of life, in the detail, in some of those struggles, providing practical support, emotional support, holistic support around young people. And we also believe in the practice of unconditional love, that nobody is too far from God to deserve love. And so I want to draw on some of my experiences of working with Romsey Mill. Um, I also want to draw on what Kath shared for those of us who were here last week as we started off this series on mission um, and looking at the story of Jonah, which we've heard the first part of today, and think about maybe what God might be saying to each of us this morning. So let's have a look back at Jonah. If you've still got a Bible handy, you might want to open it at Jonah chapter one. If you don't, that's okay, because I'll be reading out a few little bits. 
So the story of Jonah is one that many of us will be familiar with, maybe from Sunday school, maybe from having read it in different times. And, uh, and what we read this morning is probably the bit that we're most familiar with. The part of the story where God asked Jonah to go to Nineveh to preach against it. But instead of doing that, Jonah decides to run the other direction. He gets on a ship bound for a place called Tarshish. But while he's trying to get away, a storm hits them. Um, God stops Jonah in his tracks. Jonah ends up being thrown overboard, swallowed by a big fish. And that's where we ended the story today. It's a bit of a cliffhanger. If you want to come back next week and the week after and the week after, we've got three more installments. And I don't want to spoil it too much, but um, kind of what happens is we, we, we hear the part where uh, um, Jonah it does end up in Nineveh. We hear what he preaches to the people and we hear their response. So that's all to come. So let's look at the first couple of verses. We can set the scene. It says, The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. And last week, Kath started us off thinking about mission and this idea of what mission is. Um, the word mission comes from the Latin to send. And the Bible doesn't really use the word mission itself, but it does talk about being sent. People being sent to particular places or to particular people. And here we see God's mission for Jonah. Jonah was a local prophet um, from a place near Nazareth. He worshipped the Lord, the Hebrew God. Nineveh, on the other hand, was a large, powerful city. It was the capital of the Assyrian Empire. It was a pagan city. People worshipped their own gods. And there was all sorts of wickedness and evil happening in that place. So God's call for Jonah certainly wasn't an easy one. If you imagine God saying to you, I want you to go to a land far away, to people you don't know, where they speak a different language, a culture that you know, know nothing about, there's all sorts of evil stuff happening, and go and tell them off. Tell them, no, that's not what you should be doing. God's going to bring destruction on you. Not an easy message to share. But we are all sent somewhere. God has a mission for each of us. Um, for Jonah, it was quite a journey. And I've been reflecting about on my mission and my sending. And I can't really compare coming from Scotland down to England, being like going from Galilee to Nineveh. Um, but there were some similarities that I thought about. For me being sent, I'm sent to work with young people in a culture that I'm not naturally part of. I don't listen to the same music that young people listen to. I don't always understand the language that young people use. I didn't grow up in an area where alcohol and drugs and knife crime was such a big issue, where there was a lot of pressure from social media, your identity, what people think of you. And there are times that I wonder why God's called me to be involved with this work. I haven't had the experience, like Jonah, of feeling I'm going to run away completely from God and do something different. But there are times when I think, am I really the right person? How am I supposed to step into this place and speak words of hope and love and life um, when it seems such a challenge? When I was, I've heard of the story of Jonah previously, um, I've always assumed that the reason Jonah didn't go to Nineveh was because he was too scared. He thought, you know, this mission is, is too big for me. I don't know what I would say. I don't know how they'd respond. It might be quite a risky, dangerous place to go. Um, I mean, how easy can it be 
to go up to somebody that you don't know and tell them that they're doing the wrong thing and they've got to repent, they've got to turn around, they've got to turn back to God. That's not an easy message to preach and to, to say to people. And I wonder for some people here, whether you have had a, a sense of God's calling on your life, whether you, you feel that you know what God wants you to do, whether that's going to the other side of the world to, to meet people you've never met before, or whether that's coming down to the youth club on a Wednesday evening and hanging out with young people. Which, if it is, please come and let me know, because we can sort you out. But maybe you feel it's quite a scary mission, whatever it is. Maybe you feel it's not something that you're able to do, that you can manage, that you're not equipped, that you wouldn't be received well. And I think there's something in the story of Jonah maybe that we can relate to, to God's calling on us and some barrier, some fear to being able to live that out. But it's only when we look at the end of the story of Jonah that we actually discover the real reason that Jonah didn't want to go to Nineveh. So we are going to jump ahead a little bit to Jonah chapter 3 and chapter 4. Um, in Jonah chapter 3, we have God saying to Jonah for a second time, I want you to go to Nineveh and to preach this message. This is after he's been in the belly of the fish. And this time he does. He goes to the city and he tells the people that in 40 days' time, the city is going to be destroyed, overthrown, unless they repent. We see the people's desire to repent, to turn back to God, and then we see God's mercy. He changes his mind. He says, okay, I'm not going to destroy you. We're going to see life. And that's the point at which we see Jonah's true colours. We see the real reason for what happened. He's angry at God at this. He has a go at God. He says, I knew this would happen. I knew they'd repent. I knew you wouldn't destroy them. That's what I was trying to stop. I knew that you're a compassionate God, that you're gracious, that you're slow to anger, that you're abounding in love. I knew that you would just forgive them, that they wouldn't get the judgment they deserve. And you can... <laughs> Because you really feel God's anger, which is hard to, to have when there's laughter everywhere as well. That's okay. I can really, I can really feel it, it, Jonah's anger at God. God showing love and mercy. And Jonah's like, no, that, that's not right. That's why I didn't want to go. Because that's not what I think you should be doing. Jonah thinks that he knows better than God. He thinks that his mission is the one that he should be doing, rather than what God has asked him to do. He doesn't believe that the Ninevites deserve to be warned about this destruction and given the option to repent. And he's got, he's got his reasons. Um, they're an evil people. There's an all, all sorts of stuff going on there. And at the time, the way that would be dealt with is by judgment, by punishment, by destruction, not by forgiveness and mercy. So you can kind of see where Jonah's coming from. And I think there may be a real challenge for us in that. And this is why we've been kind of I guess struggling with, trying to get my head around as I've been preparing for this morning. Whatever our mission is, whatever God's asking us to do, wherever it is that we are sent, are we willing to do it on God's terms and not on our terms? Are we willing to apply God's criteria to the people that we meet, to see people through God's eyes and not the way that we think we should be seeing them and treating people? And it's been, a, it's been a challenge for me. I've thought, do I actually treat every young person I meet with unconditional love? Am I always willing to see past the behaviour that's being presented, to think that you know, change is possible, that there is hope? Am I committed to standing up for young people who've messed up and to risk my reputation by associating with people that other people might see um, as being those that I shouldn't associate with? 
people who are involved in antisocial behaviour and crime and drugs. There's been a number of times people have spoken to me very disapprovingly about the youth centre and the youth clubs that we run there. They've said, oh, it's just, it's just chaos there. People are out of control. There's all sorts of noise and loud music. Young people are, are, are running riot. Well, I think if Jesus was walking the earth in 2019 in Camborne, it's probably the place that he'd be hanging out as well. So I feel a little bit better about that. But I do wonder if we ever resist God's call on our life because we think that people don't deserve his love and mercy. I wonder if we ever look at other people, whether that's our next door neighbours, people down the street, or people across the world, and think that they're not worth sharing God's love with. Maybe it's not that we judge them, but maybe we just don't believe the change is ever possible. Maybe we have tried and we've tried and we've tried. We've given a second chance, a third chance. Maybe we feel that our time is better spent with the people who do deserve it. And we can very easily take decisions about what people are worth into our own hands rather than seeing what God says about people's worth. And when we look at <coughs> the way that God views people, um, we see how Jesus treated people when he was here on earth. When Jesus met a woman at a well um, who was an outcast, she was judged by her community for having a series of broken relationships. He treated her like an equal. He gave her respect. When Jesus was walking through Jericho with crowds of people round about him, gathering, looking for his attention, he picked out the short guy who was so desperate he climbed up a tree just to see Jesus. He spoke to him, he gave him respect, and he befriended him, going to his house to share food, to share hospitality. When Jesus had been beaten and humiliated, mocked by soldiers, his response was to pray for forgiveness to them, for them. And I think that sometimes we can think it was very easy for Jesus to do this. Well, he was God after all. This was his mission. This was what Jesus did. But I wonder how Jesus felt when he woke up each morning. I've never really thought about Jesus sleeping and having a, a bed, wherever that was, whatever that was like. But he woke up each morning. And I wonder if he thought, yes, today's an opportunity to share good news with people, to heal people, to bring people closer to the kingdom of God. Maybe some days he did. I wonder if there were some days that Jesus thought, today's going to be hard. I wonder what I'm going to be faced with. I wonder who I'm going to upset by what I say. I wonder if my friends are going to stick with me or if they're going to reject me. Jesus' mission wasn't an easy one. And what he calls us to do isn't an easy mission either. He asks us to put our own reputation on the line, to be willing to give up the comfort of our lives, to sacrifice everything that we have to reach people, to meet people, to share the good news of Jesus with them. And that's not just for the people who are easy to speak to. That's not just for the people who are going to respond well to us. And it's not just for the people that we think deserve it. It's for everybody. God's love is for everybody. Our role is to love unconditionally. Um, and I can think of times um, when I've been, I've been challenged by that. I can think of times at youth clubs uh, where members of staff have been shouted at, sworn at, when there's been no respect shown, equipment's been broken time after time. And obviously there is an important place for boundaries. We need to learn about consequences. But we have a policy where there's never 
a, a, a time where somebody is completely excluded. There is always a way back. There's always a way to restore and rebuild a relationship. And that's hard sometimes, because other people look at that situation and say to me, well, you, you, shouldn't, you shouldn't be allowing them back in. You shouldn't be giving them another chance, and another chance, and another chance. But that's what I believe God uh, has called me to do, to stand up for the people that nobody else will stand up for. I remember when we used to run a youth cafe here at the church called Chillax, and this was quite a long time ago. Uh, and there were a number of, of uh, things going on at Chillax. There was one lad that I remember with fondness. Um, he would cause a lot of mischief. Uh, he didn't respond well to authority. He would run riot every single week inside the building, outside the building, on the containers at the back, and even on the roof. I don't know if you, if you know this, I probably shouldn't be telling you this, but there is a way you can get onto the containers and onto the roof, and you can run along this little bit, and you can look through the window and distract everybody else inside. Please don't try that. But I'll be honest with you, there were weeks where I thought, I hope he doesn't turn up, because that would make things a lot easier. It'd make it a lot more pleasant in here to have a youth club without having to deal with some of these challenges. But often sees young people who need to know love and support the most. And Romsey Mill is committed to intentionally working with these young people who are hard to reach, who need to know love and support. Young people that others may have given up on. Those who are at risk of uh, disengaging with the rest of society. And I've come to hold on to Jesus' words in John 10.10 as a bit of a kind of personal vision and mission. Jesus says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. And that's what I hope each and every young person and all of us experience as we come to know God's love. So coming back to the story of Jonah for a little bit. Um, even when Jonah chose to run away from God's calling in his life and to judge the people that God had called him to, to save, God had a way of working which actually brought more glory to himself. So we heard about uh, Jonah's experience on the boat to Tarshish. God sent a storm which threatened to break up the boat. And this was a point for Jonah where he came to a realisation of what he was doing. That his uh, refusal to do what God was asking him to do wasn't just affecting him, but actually it was affecting all the people uh, around about him. It was affecting the innocent sailors on that boat as well. They'd been dragged into his situation. And Jonah admits his mistake and he offers to be thrown overboard. He sacrificed himself so that the ship wouldn't be broken up and the lives wouldn't be lost. And in verse uh, 16, we see the way that God was at work, even in that situation. After Jonah was thrown overboard, the sea became calm and the sailors turned to God. They offered a sacrifice to him and they made vows to him. And that gives me hope that even in my weakness and my inability to actually do what I feel I ought to be doing, God is a work. That God can take my brokenness and your brokenness, even when we don't feel we can match up to the calling that he's given us. He is still at work. And when we're willing to come before God with humility and offer him ourselves and what we do have, God will use that. He'll use that for his glory. He'll equip us he'll give us the strength that we need because he's the one who goes before us and takes our little contribution and uses that. I want to share a bit of a story with you uh, of somewhere where I've seen God at work. Um, some of you will be aware that last summer, Romsey Mill ran a residential called Deeper. 
And this was an opportunity for young people who are part of any aspect of Romsey Mill's work, whether that's here or in Cambridge. Um, most of the young people um, hadn't been part of church before, hadn't heard about Christianity. They may have been aware that it's, it's part of our ethos, but they hadn't really heard the good news about Jesus before. And it was a chance to explore some of the faith behind our work. And I thought, yeah, it'd be great. You know, we'll, we'll go along, we'll have a good time, we'll do some kind of team building stuff, and we'll be able to share about faith. And maybe people might just listen a little bit and might ask a few questions, might get a hang of, of something. But to be honest, even though I was championing this and saying it'd be brilliant, I, I wasn't really expecting God to do amazing things. I didn't really think we'd see a lot of change. And maybe that's because we've been working with young people uh, over a number of years and, and it was brilliant, but we hadn't seen a lot of stuff happening. I felt maybe that some of the challenges the young people were facing in their lives were, were too big. Well, how could God actually do something about that? And I'm standing here as somebody who's supposed to be saying the opposite. How can we uh, really see movement? And uh, what happened wasn't what I was expecting. So I'm going to invite Megan to come and share uh, her story. This is just one story from the residential, um, which I hope speaks into some of what I've been saying. If I can find the microphone. Thank you. The summer that I won't forget. <clears throat> Over the summer, I went through many emotions I had my highs, I had my lows, I had my laughs, but I also had my tears. When I was going through a really extreme rough patch in life, to the point where I wanted to always hurt myself and always wanted to end my life, my youth worker Jonathan asked me and some others to go on a holiday called Deeper to Essex. And Deeper is all about Christianity and the atmosphere you feel is love and warmth. One week later, I, go, I was on the bus making my way to Essex and the motions were running high because I didn't know what to expect. When I got there, the atmosphere was breathtaking. Everyone was so lovely, um, loving, hopeful, and I felt welcome before you knew it. I also was making friends and having a laugh. That night, everyone got in the gathering room. That's where we did singing activities, praying, and etc. We had a speaker come in every night and talk about the relationship with God and what the difference he's made in their life. We had a yeah, oh, hang on. There was this one lady that inspired me the most. She spoke about her past and everything she was saying I felt like I could relate. As soon as she was telling us no, wait. As soon as she was telling us if we want hope, we want warmth and we want to feel passion then give ourselves to God after I told God that I'm his I ended up crying and crying I think I was crying because I felt loved and warmth for the first time and that that's an experience that I can't explain after that holiday my whole life changed and it was a good change because I thought this could never happen that's why that's why my youth worker said that I could have hope and so did God God has done so much for me and he's helped me th stop thinking bad about myself and has changed that with passion, hope and love. I'm not all there yet as I'm not confident in myself. However, I'm getting there with Jonathan and God's guidance. My past is my past and I can't keep blaming myself for that. And God has made me realise that. God has done, 
God has made me feel happy in myself and it feels like a weight is lifted off my shoulders. Like I said, it's an experience that I can't explain. To be, yeah, to be honest, I'm glad Jonathan told me to go on that holiday because if it wasn't for him, I don't think I'd still be here. So one quotation that really inspired me when, when we were on holiday was, don't let evil defeat you, but, de but defeat evil by doing good. Thank you, Megan. Thank you, Megan. It excites me to see what God is doing in Cambon. And I think that story shows that when we're willing to go into situations which are challenging, we can share love unconditionally, giving of ourselves. God will use that, even if that is not perfect, even if we don't get it right all the time. God goes before us. And so I want to just bring some of these thoughts together by, I guess, reminding us of who we are and, and what God has called us to, and also giving us a bit of a challenge. We are the body of Christ. We are his hands and his feet here in the world. And in the same way that he called Jonah to preach a message of repentance to the people of Nineveh, God calls us to go out into the world, to be bold enough to talk about sin, and brokenness, and the need for repentance, and to share the good news of Jesus with those who are in need. We're called to put aside our own judgments, our own views on who is worthy and who's not worthy to be shown God's love. We're called to risk our reputation and our own pride, and to be willing to give up everything for the sake of the gospel. Who are we to decide who should be saved. We are not the ones who died on a cross for their sins. God calls us, that's you and that's me, to be part of his mission in the world. We've got our little part to play alongside what God is already doing and will continue to do. And I want to leave us with a song which I'll play and there'll be words that comes up on the screen which gives us a bit of a challenge to say, what are we doing? How are we responding to what we see round about us?